We have to aim higher. We can't exactly get Norm fired now, can we? I knew about the drive-thru. Of course you did, of course. Finally, finally, he's going to use some of your ideas and what do we get? I'm the fucking assistant manager's wife? I didn't tell him about the- Listen, listen to me. Robberies go bad all the time and accidents happen. We're not bad people, Mac. Just underachievers who have to make up for lost time. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Film, the podcast that is not about Scottish films. I'm Paul Salt. And I'm Katie Maiden. Predictably, but unfortunately, we couldn't find Mackie Beffo. Which is probably not pronounced that way. Mackie Beffo. If anyone has a copy, please hit us up. Please get in touch if you are Ma- Mackie Beffo himself please get in touch <laughs> it's the Malagasy Macbeth and um, it's only the second time in our short history that we haven't been able to find a version of the Macbeth we wanted we will try the BFI once it reopens in September um, as well as that BBC 70s Macbeth that we tried to get hold of before but yeah for now we must move on and move out of the 20th century shit I know so long Orson Welles Akira Kurosawa Bellatar and Ian McKellen it's time for Billy Morissette to have a go <laughs> have a go is definitely the phrase that yeah. <laughs> let's get let's see how about this um with his comedy film scotland pa we have to aim higher we can't exactly get norm fired now can we i knew about the drive through of course you did of course finally finally he's gonna use some of your ideas and what do we get i'm the fucking assistant manager's wife i didn't tell him listen to me listen to me robberies that go bad all the time and and accidents happen we're not bad people mac we're just underachievers that have to make up for lost time pa is in pennsylvania because it's actually set in an american fast food restaurant the first first of two culinary adaptations yeah, it was it's set in like a diner. Like imagine yeah, this like one's... Twin Peaks diner. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A sort of American burger joint. Yeah. So, his hour upon the stage, how was just the film? It was relatively enjoyable. It was Yeah, it was kind it of was fun. a comedy. Yeah. Um the the thing that took away from the comedy was the fact that it was Macbeth. Do you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. kind of like I because well, I know this is Macbeth, it's kind of just silly. It is silly in general. It I, is I silly found... in general. It's tricky because you're balancing dark comedy against goofy comedy. And that's not the most easy blending you'll ever come across. Yeah. It's trying to be like a Coen Brothers screwball comedy, but also one of their sort of darker comedies. And it takes a deft hand to really navigate those waters. I don't know if I'm mixing metaphors there, but I'm not quite sure this hand was deft enough. There was slapstick bits and dark bits. Mm. and it didn't quite match together. So it's like when I was enjoying one of the silly bits, yeah, and then a dark bit happened, I was like, oh, yeah, this is my back, kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, kind of, but it did have some redeeming features. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the music was great. The sort of noughties slash late 90s rock music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the kind of early noughties rock thing. Yeah. So um, Duncan's... One of Duncan's sons had like a band, the kind of band that yeah. my 17-year-old boyfriend was in, you know, where they met up in a garage and like <laughs> pretended Love that they that. were a real band. Um, so that was... <laughs> they are so real bands. We had all this like kind of rocky music that I sort of listened to when I was that age, which was fun. And we also had some kind of comedy music in the background, you know, when there's a comedy yeah. film and it has that kind of like 
silly like music. I found that quite overbearing. <laughs> it was all the time. <laughs> the rock music comes care of a band called Bad Company. that all of the songs are bad company songs is because in Morissette's words the band's catalogue catalog was surprisingly inexpensive nice quality but you know <laughs> love that sounded yeah it was fun it was, it was yeah. like a good band I don't think I've listened to bad company before but the music was good in this now so. you have now I have this was my introduction for me the big one is the is the murder the, the titular murder and we'll get to you know yes. up the consequences mm-hmm. did they show it but it really this is where the tonal awkwardness was really at its height for me because you've got like a silly hitting him over the head with a frying pan thing but also they are gonna kill this guy and he has got a son and it's kind two of sons. weird two sons yeah one of whom we've spent quite a bit of time with so yeah. It just felt kind of odd. I didn't know how to feel in this moment. Oh, Batman, thank God. Somebody just hit me on the head. Mm. Oh my God, there he is, right there. That, that was a weird scene. When he had the frying mm. pan, I was like, no, he's not going to kill him with the frying pan. Yeah, what we're not going to see hell? a guy get beaten to death right now. Yeah, so they're kind of like him basically making the leap to like we should kill him yeah it didn't really but there wasn't actually really a leap there no i mean i couldn't include the scene of you know them you know for our dialogue at the beginning there wasn't an equivalent of we shouldn't do this yes we should you know there was basically one scene of them both in the car where they're just like hey we should kill this guy because they've already conspired together to get a unrelated guy fired Mm mm-hmm I forget his name. It was something vaguely Scottish sounding, but not a Macbeth paralogue. Yeah, this is where Macbeth becomes the assistant man. I mean, he should have been the Fane of... Well, yeah, I guess he was. He was the first Fane of Cawdor, wasn't he? He's the one who, yeah, treacherous, gets thrown out, and then Macbeth takes his place. So, And that that happens, and so they've conspired that in a sort of parasite-style way through scheming. And now they've moved on to murder. And you're right, it is just... It's very abrupt. And I think the idea is the comedy is meant to move past logical consistency. Yeah, but... it doesn't really make sense because in yeah. Macbeth, it kind of mm. makes sense that you might have to kill a king to get his job, right? Yeah, it doesn't make manager. sense <laughs> that you, you would kill your manager at a diner. Why don't well, you just look for another job if you hate it so much? Yeah, start your own restaurant. I mean, I'll be curious to see if the James McAvoy, you know, Scottish high-class kitchen um handles this a little better but it well, is it, I, I won't spoil it for you but in the james McAvoy one he's the chef of a right. restaurant he's not the well, assistant manager right i mean he starts off as a fry cook right Macbeth in this he's um yeah just one of the friars who and that's the other thing i couldn't tell if Macbeth was meant to be his characterization was strange is he meant to be the sort of genius of this operation or is lady Macbeth the smart one and he just takes credit for the ideas because there were, he seems to be, and he's played as just a kind of stoner, you know, waster. But is he also the brains of the operation? It was hard to tell. Yes, yeah, so he's the one that has the idea of the drive-through. Well, does he? Or is that, you know, because the witches mentioned to him the drive-through. Yeah. Or, or specifically they mentioned the, the intercom idea. And that's bizarre as well, because it seems like their only prophecy to him 
is the fact that there's going to be he meets with them and they say oh i see a bank and he's like do you mean my friend banky and they're like no i see like a a bank with an intercom and he's like huh that's weird anyway i have to go oh, okay and then later on it the intercom thing does get implemented or is floated and suddenly that's the prophecy fulfilled but they didn't even mention the murder let alone banky no i mean they did he did they did say she did say oh it's not a bank it's a a restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. yeah, so it proved her ability to prophesize, which I thought, okay, that's going to then Go lead somewhere. into a second <laughs> yeah. prophecy. Because <laughs> the witch, yeah, it's very odd. So the witches in this kind of yeah. turn up at random intervals yes. to kind of help the story along a little bit. So, for example, there's the bit with the murder. Yeah. Pretty much happens by accident because the witches yes. show up. So, they're, but they're not um, yeah. regular Accidents. witches. We'll get to them. but We uh, will. But it's like accident slash they caused it? Yes, exactly. So that's why I'm saying they help the story yeah. along in, and in certain places. To, mm. I don't know why that was necessary, but no. they're there. Oh, um, I have to say that, obviously, the most exciting part of this was Christopher Walken. Oh, yes, we haven't gone to that. Christopher Walken is in this movie as <laughs> yeah. Le- Lieutenant McDuff. McDuff! Lieutenant McDuff. Ernie, I'm working the case. I'm here to drop off my cards, which are on the coffee table next to my wife's baba ganoush. Your wife's what? Baba ganoush. It's a vegetarian dish. Sounds scary, but it's good. You're vegetarian? Yep. And your wife? My wife? She's vegetarian? Oh, yeah. Whole family. You? No. They called me in because the Scotland PD is a bit understaffed, this kind of thing, and I'll tell you, they're not kidding. These guys take turns sharing the bullet. And we have yeah, some was... a famous, like super famous person playing McDuff. Yeah, and he almost becomes like a second main character. Oh no, I think yeah, he's definitely the closest we get to a protagonist in this. He's a yeah. a cop who's also a vegetarian and has <laughs> a family, and he wants to. He's out here because the local police of um, Scotland, uh, Pennsylvania, can't can't handle this sort of case so they've called on a big city guy to come out sort of Twin Peaks style yeah. to investigate and yeah it's Christopher Walken and he's really good he's good he's he's Christopher Walken like he can he make is. any film watchable <laughs> if he hadn't been in yeah. it I'm not sure this would have been as watchable though I really did like what's her name from the affair slash liar liar yes, whose name yes. I always forget Maura Tierney yes who is yeah. uh, Lady Macbeth I liked her too yeah also in Insomnia she played the um Ah, la- yes. Yeah, yeah, she played the lady owning the hotel, so that was fun. But yes, um, Christopher Walken shows up, and yeah, the thing about Walken that makes him so compellingly watchable is just, he never plays anything as you'd expect. If you're going to shoot a scene of him just driving down a road, <laughs> he's going to do something that's going to make that the scene that you remember. And he's It's very straight. The only person I can compare him to is Nicolas Cage on that front, and as much as you just don't... He's unpredictable, and that makes him very exciting. Yeah. Um, my favourite line of his is when he's interviewing um, the son, because it plays out kind of like a cat-and-mouse police chase thing, in which Macduff is the police officer, and, you know, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are trying to sort of escape the long arm of the law. Um, and they shift blame very subtly onto Malcolm. And they, he arrests Malcolm and he says, um, after poking holes in his story and his alibi, he says, I mean, like, okay. Take a breath, start again, and let's have a conversation that makes you not guilty. 
Yes. <laughs> really like. I like that's that. Because I don't want you to be guilty. <laughs> yeah, it was such a police thing. You know, that's how the police, even if he thinks you did it, that's how the police are going to talk to you. It's like, okay, let's let's figure out what really happened. Um, also, can we just talk about the really, really bizarre scene? Mm. So there's this bizarre scene in which the Duncan character, the, the manager, does yeah. this like weird role play oh, God, with Macbeth so and long. Lady Macbeth. And I just was like, what is going on? So basically he yeah. is doing this weird role play with the two of them where he's talking about opening this drive through Yeah. You don't feel like cooking tonight. You're too tired. I don't feel like cooking tonight. I'm too tired. I don't feel like eating out. Don't feel like eating. Now, you could get takeout, but the lines are always so long and it's so hot, I don't even feel like getting out of the car. I got a long one there. We, we could get takeout, but the lines are always so long and it's so hot, I don't even feel like getting out of the car. That's very good, Patsy. And it's like the weirdest role play scene. Yeah. We know what a drive-thru is. <laughs> We've heard of them before, surely. It's like the longest scene ever as well. Yeah, and he's like getting them to say it, but this for me was the act for scene two of this movie. It was really long, didn't really go anywhere, and I think it was meant to be funny, but it just wasn't really. And It was bizarre. The comedy of the film kind of rides that line between cute and irritating, a couple of times stepping on the irritating side. Mm. Um which yeah but for the most part i agree it's a it's a perfectly enjoyable sort of comedy film um one other symptom of it being a movie made in the early noughties is that gay characters are around but everyone's like confused by them yeah it was the awkward time of gay representation and things you know late 90s especially in television and also rom-coms where there would be a gay character and their deal would be that they're gay and that would kind of be it. Yeah. So we have two LGBT yes. representations. We have the younger son. Yes, Donald Bain is Donald gay. Bain, who is Donald in this. Yes. And um, he's gay. And then we have the witches. And they are in like a, a threesome relationship. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they said that there's two guys and a girl. One of the guys says, our girlfriend. Yes, Argo, which, you you know, you could be just a sassy kind of, you know, way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, but... potentially, but I think there was, I don't know, there was some sort of imp- implied thing there, which is yeah. absolutely fine. All good. Representation is always fun, but it's very much the case of sort of, we don't know how to write these guys, but they're yeah. funny, right? They're funny, that kind. This is so... funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it in. Let's have it in. Let's have them come in and be funny and we'll get Andy Dick to do it because Andy Dick plays one of the witches. Would you like some wacky tobacco? Macky. Oh, I'm pretty drunk already. Really? You don't seem drunk. You know, next time you should go home with the wife, Mac. Or any loved one. Love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. <laughs> um, fair is foul, foul is fair. How close are we to Shakespeare? Um, we're like on the other side of the world. Like, <laughs> li- literally. Um, okay, so there are some things that are similar. We have Macbeth oh, and yeah. Lady Macbeth. We have yeah. Duncan. We have the sun. Who play yeah. a much bigger part in this than they do yes. in the original Macbeth? I so, like that. I like that Malcolm was like a character in this. Yeah, so they don't really like flee. One of them goes no. to Atlanta for a yeah. while, um, <laughs> but that's like fine. He doesn't get. He's not really under suspicion. Like they try and throw him under the bus, but Chris yeah. Falcon doesn't really buy it. No, because his um one of the reasons he doesn't buy it is because his alibi is too bad. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you're smarter than this. If you were co- trying to come up with an alibi, you'd come up with something better, which is quite cool. Yeah. We have a Banquo. I don't think Banquo has a son, though. There's no Fleon. No, he's too young. He's just a yeah. kind of mate. Because these are all, they're meant to be sort of early 30-somethings who have, you know, grown up and haven't been really done yet with being 20, which is fun. It's, it's relatable, this idea of arrested development. These people don't really know how to move into adulthood. Yes. And so... Yeah, that was a that was an interesting feel to the whole thing. Um, yeah, I would say my for me the most interesting part of this movie was seeing how they adapted Shakespeare, and I feel like they did a much better job than men of respect did because none of it felt incongruous to the story and the world they had made. There was no mm-hmm. point where it was just like, "What the fuck? That doesn't belong here." Like yes. the hippies, the creepy, the crazy hippie witches. They they felt like they made sense. They might just be a drug vision of Macbeth. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're like these weird, like kind of um, hippie, drugged up, crazy yeah. people that live in a fairground. Yeah. So there's no, you know, old fits, woman born. Like everything fits in, in the right place, but there's stuff yeah. that's in the wrong place in the storyline. Oh yeah, they've moved things around and they've also repurposed certain things and uh, other things feel superfluous now. Like the again, I, I feel like the role of the prophecy is something that a lot of directors with Macbeth just kind of take for granted. They're like, oh yeah, it's Macbeth, you've got to have the witches making a prophecy. But really ask yourselves, does it actually add to the story that you're telling? You're Macbeth. Because I don't see why it should have to be the most important thing in the world that you have witches in here, if it's not actually guiding your character's actions. Because I don't think... Well, unfortunately, in this case, motivation for Macbeth and Lady Macbeth to commit the murder is a little bit weak. Hmm. Um, And maybe a prophecy could have helped strengthen that, but... No, I don't know. It's just, I enjoyed the witches. I'm glad they were here just because I enjoyed watching them. But I don't. I this is one of the ones where they probably had the least impact on the actual plot. The only, the biggest impact they had is is causing the murder. Yeah, accidentally causing the well, p- possibly purposely causing the murder of um, Duncan. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that were, um, were left out. But like you yeah. said, nothing major. Like for example, the porter. Yeah. Oh yeah, Porter's gone. Well, we, ha- we we can go through some of these now. No Porter, no Ross. Yeah. Uh, there's no character of Ross. Uh, no. We don't get any extra ghosts because there are practically no prophecies no. in the actual film. No Macduff um, family. No, Macduff's family is. I mean, he, he says he has a family, but there's no, like, Macbeth trying about to kill him. his family. Well, they actually have a line. He says something like, um, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Go kill Macduff's entirely, entire family? And one of the witches says something like, well, that might have worked a thousand years ago. That's quite funny. So, that's quite cute. But uh, and we do get Banky's ghost at the press conference, and I thought that was yes. quite good. I like the idea of transferring a banquet to a press conference because they're now restaurant owners. Yeah, that I saw that, good. and that was actually quite... Yeah, it was definitely a clever way of doing it. Yeah, because what I like in a Shakespeare adaptation, I like for the scene to start, and partway through it, I'm like, oh, this is that, as yes. opposed to a scene starts, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is how they're going to do that. Yes, I like yes. for me, it feels more natural when they try and make it into something that fits the plot better. Speaking of which, and I can't think of any other version of Macbeth that could do this, uh, Lady Macbeth's bloody hand... It's yes. actually a burn yes. because Duncan dies by falling into the deep fat fryer mm-hmm. and it splashes and a bit of fat burns her hand and it's the burn that keeps getting worse for her. Yes. So that is a major part of 
her yeah. storyline. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And she goes in, there's a bit where she goes into a pharmacy and says, give yeah. me the ointment. And they're like, there's no burn there. <laughs> and so that's yeah. her kind of getting a bit, like crazy. Her, it's the madness. She's like seeing this burn that's not there anymore. You know when you get an itch? Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing that's itchy there. Or when you feel your phone vibrating. And mm. there's there's no, nobody's calling you. No, it's that kind of phantom thing, and it kind of yeah, it made sense that maybe she still felt <laughs> yeah. it her if she was feeling guilty. Yeah, and that was her guilt. That was a good thing. And then in the end, that's the thing that kills her because she goes to cut off her hand and presumably bleeds to death. Yeah, she she uses like a massive hacksaw. That reminded me of when we were watching Saw, the one where she has to cut off her arm. Oh shit! And then she survives and shows up in the last one. But th- yeah. it's funny because we went to see it, me, you, and two friends. She was using the little saw, and both of us were going, "Use the hacksaw! What are you doing?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she picks up a bad tool to cut her hand off. <laughs> and we're okay. there, like, in this like really gory scene, and other people around us are flinching, <laughs> and we're like, "Use the hacksaw!" God, maybe we should do something to do with Saw after all this. <laughs> rewatch all the Saw films. We're going to rewatch the Saws and talk about how we would adapt them into Shakespeare. We're going to reverse engineer <laughs> this. Oh, um, God. <laughs> actually, someone kind of already do it, did that. It's kind of theatre of blood, but never mind. Um, okay. <laughs> I liked Macbeth and Lady Macbeth drifting apart. I felt it was good. And they yes. handled it quite naturally. It's a tricky thing to do, but there were a number of scenes devoted to it. The idea that Macbeth is changing and becoming a different guy... Because at the beginning, they just want to make out all the time. Yes. There's like a steamy scene, isn't there? Well, there's several. There's like, weirdly, like, if they're just alone in a scene and neither of them have a line, they just start making out. Which is what people do sometimes. <laughs> you know, when hey. you're in relationship and you're just like, what should we do now? Make out? <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, we don't have nothing else to do for five minutes. Yeah, it was kind of sad to see them drift apart. I mean, again, more chemistry between them. And there's a part reason for that which we will come to but a bit more chemistry between them would have been good it would have made the breaking apart a bit more tragic but Mm. nevertheless it was still convincingly and slowly paced it wasn't as abrupt as it has been in some some adaptations the friend who i couldn't quite pick out the long-haired friend the one who who worked with them yeah yeah was he meant was he an analog of some sorts it's weird because at one point moduff says did you call the cafe because Banquo works there. But that wasn't Banquo because... No, Banquo's So I thought maybe one. this was Seaton. Ah, So okay. the, he's the only person I could yeah. think of would be Seaton because he's kind of their like, lackey. Yeah, continues to work for them. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, yeah. he he also apparently owns a tan salon. Yes, he's like, if you I need a tan. Said, we need a tan. And the last thing I want to say is just the name of the tan salon was When a Tan Loves a Woman, which is <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Tramlock the consequence. We did see the murder. We did, but it wasn't actually a murder. No, it was. Such. A, although it was meant to be, right? Because oh, well, so they it? they hit him with a frying pan. Then yeah, they they don't wear masks. Tie so, him up, and yeah. and they've got a knife, and they're saying like, "Give us the code to the safe." Yes, but in the planning sequence, she did say, "We'll get the code from him, so it looks like a robbery." So I think the plan was to kill him. Yes, but I don't think the method. So basically, there's a bit where the witches appear out of nowhere, Macbeth kind of jumps and knocks Duncan's head into the deep fat front Yeah, lets him go and he just sort of flops into it. Yeah, Yeah. and that was was dark. (laughs) It was grim. It was a grisly scene. And then the son shows up immediately after and is trying to knock on the door to get get his dad to let him in, but, you know, dad's already dead, so 
It was bleak. It was a bit bleak for my liking, considering up till then, Duncan in particular had been a very wacky character. Yes, he had that, that like I said, the yeah. roleplay scene. Yeah, and just the way he deals with his sons, and just generally. Yeah, I but, didn't. I didn't really like his character. I thought it was a no. bit weird. I I prefer when Duncan, whatever, whether it's an adaptation or not, I prefer yeah. that Duncan is like the kind of boss man who everyone respects. And yeah, he's meant to be the natural the ni- order nice that guy. Macbeth screws up. It was, yeah, it was a strange scene. That one. It was probably the worst part of the film for me. Was that murder sequence? It just. It's where a lot of the problems all came together. And it was a weird fake-out, actually, because it looks like they accidentally kill him earlier than that, when he accidentally gets whacked in the head by a fridge door. Mm. You think, oh, okay, maybe they're going this way. And that would have made sense, actually, if they accidentally killed him and then had to try and cover up their involvement. Yeah, that would have made sense. I thought that was how they were going to go with it. Yeah. That would have made it... That would have fit more into the tone of the film, I yes. think. Yes, agree. Yeah, and that would have made Banky's murder more dramatic as well, as if the first one was an accident, but now he's got to commit an actual murder in order to cover it up. But yeah. What bloody man is that? We've got James Legrosse as um, another Joe Macbeth, actually. Oh, is he he's called Joe? Joe Macbeth again. He's called Joe, yeah. Just call him Mac, don't they? Yeah, they call him Mac a lot, but he is a Joe Macbeth. So how did you find James? Mix it with some Alka-Seltzer if Banker wakes up. Give it to him. I'll take care of the rest. No, 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 Mac, no. You have to talk to me. <laughs> you have to tell me what you're doing. I don't know. You don't know! I said I don't know! It's a surprise. I, I, I liked him at the beginning, and then I my okay. it, it started to, like, fall off a bit. And yeah. I don't know why. I just, I really just wasn't that interested in his characterization. No, I wasn't either. I found him a bit dull, and yeah. he has a weird look. He looks like Stephen King as Geordie Verrill in Creepshow. He's got like <laughs> yeah. long hair, stubble. He's supposed to be like a stoner. I think they're supposed to be like these like stoners who like yeah. just work in a diner, and uh, you know, like that's fine. It could have worked if he'd been like more a stoner. If they just like made him yeah. like a full on like I don't know surfer guy or something. Yeah, his performance was lacking. I found I didn't get a sense of who he was and I I just didn't know whether or not he was the brains or not or if, you know because he didn't give the impression of intelligence really I just didn't no. I, I couldn't get a handle on him he felt elusive well, that's the thing at the beginning he kind of did didn't right. he he was asking questions to that guy in the bar who's like okay so tell me more yeah and then and then after that scene it kind of yeah felt like he yeah. wasn't the brains anymore and I was confused so maybe he smoked a joint that night and <laughs> it yeah. all fell apart yeah I think so well okay um, separate under it how about Maura Tierney as uh, Lady Macbeth I liked her yeah I would love some head shut the fuck <laughs> up Jimmy shut up what did I say nothing you animals just sometimes forget there's a fucking lady in the room that's all here you go dinner's served and Miss Jimmy is a fork she, I, I actually her. really love that actress. She's in, she's, yeah. like I said, she's in Lie Lie, but she's also in The Affair, and I know I don't mm. think you've seen it, no. but I really enjoyed, especially the first season of The Affair. She's like the, mm. the wife who gets cheated on by Dominic West. Right. And um, yeah, she's great in that. She's a really good, like, dramatic actor. Mm. And this, she is, like, one of the redeeming parts of the film mm. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. She was... Um... She was sassy. She was sassy. She was giving it some... I mean, for the first act, again, the only way they characterize this couple is just they make out a lot. So again, I just felt like I didn't really know who she was. 
until, like, is she the ambitious one? I mean, it turns out she ultimately is, but until that sequence in the car, which is a good 30 minutes in, yes. I had no idea about her, really. Um, yes, you're right. She got she got better as he got worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. There's a kind of inverse art there, and then ultimately she comes to a tragic end. So Yeah, that I mean, they did keep in her, her suicide. It's not... Yeah, it's kind of like one of those weird suicides where... Mm. Um, you know about, like ones. phantom limb syndrome where yeah. you can feel like your limb doesn't belong to you it was something to do with like she wanted to chop off her arm because the burn was on it and it was driving her crazy yeah. and then I think she chops off her arm and then bleeds to death yeah so that's it's kind of idea. like all of these deaths are like a little bit by accident <laughs> yeah it's interesting <laughs> it's again it's just trying to rectify because suicide how do we do that in a goofy sort of dark comedy? And, you know, having her cut off her arm and then she sort of smiles in relief before just fainting, you know, is the kind of way that they've gone with that. And Macbeth himself dies as a result of jumping off the roof to try and grab Christopher Walken, but, like, lands on his car. Yeah. It's, yeah, also a bit odd. odd. But, but it, again, by the end, they're both dead and yeah, that's it. It's just not really quite knowing how to handle this sort of thing, I think. Yeah. Um... Okay, Weirdest Sister. So we have Hippie Witches, where two of them are played by Andy Dick and Amy Smart, which is quite interesting. I could eat a horse. I could eat a cow. I could eat a pig. What's going on? We're brainstorming. Why? We just don't like the detective calling you into the station. At that ungodly hour. Clearly, he's not going to ask you questions. I've got it. Max should kill McDuck's entire family. That'll stop him. Oh, that would work. About a thousand years ago. What is that supposed to mean? These are modern times. You can't go around killing everybody. Oh, hey, come on. Ah. Can you? Yeah, prophecies are vague. Prophecies aren't really like prophecies at all. They're no. just them chatting to Macbeth. They're like the character from Booksmart who shows up at all the parties. Oh, yes. (laughs) That chick. The one who's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like that. Like a a bizarre, omnipotent watcher of the events. Yes. Which which sometimes works. There have been other versions of Macbeth we've seen where the witches Mm. turn up at times where they're not written into the play, but it makes sense. They're like peeking around the corner and stuff. Yeah, but their role was always clear. Yeah. Whether or not we agreed with that role, whether or not it's better actually to have Macbeth provide his own motivations rather than, you know, have these prophecies, you know, is entirely up to us. But they all you always got the reason they were in the movie, and I'm not quite sure I understood why these witches were here other than we gotta have witches for Macbeth. Yes. Yeah. That's strange. So for me, in spite of the Macbeth arc, I found this one did... Oh, sorry, uh, he needs not on mistrust. There's no third murderer because no. Macbeth does it personally. Yes, he does. Yeah. And it's quite a good scene, that, where Banky is invited into a barn and we don't see anything that happens, but we suddenly see a hole get blasted we, in the Yeah, barn. we hear, like, a gunshot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite good. I guess to sum up, I, f- I felt it got better as it went. The first act was a little bit jarring and I wasn't quite sure what tone they were going for, but then after the murder, nothing is as goofy or awkward as the murder again. And it just becomes a sort of dark comedy that isn't quite funny or dark enough to make a big impression. But it was entertaining. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I, it was it was a sort of comedy. It was a slapstick comedy that yeah. I wouldn't choose to watch myself, mm. like, if I wasn't doing this podcast. Yeah. But if it was on, then I think, you know, <laughs> I, it might, I might leave it on. <laughs> yeah. I can see myself getting a little nostalgic for it. Oh. 
you know, it was it was very time and place. It felt like a late nineties kind of early noughties job. In the same way that like Joe Macbeth was actually <laughs> relatively enjoyable. Oh yeah. Whereas Men of Respect dot like was so boring. <laughs> yeah, it was just dumb. Let's not yeah. talk about Men of Respect. <laughs> Let's pretend it never happened. Let's talk about Shakespeare because a charmed life. What's Katie's Shakespeare fact? My Shakespeare fact today is another one for you to see if you can answer a little quiz question. Uh oh. And this is you can just guess. How many times do you think the word love appears in Romeo and Juliet? Oh, now you wouldn't be asking unless it was super high or super low. It depends what you mean by like super high and super low. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a particularly long play, but there's a lot of fighting. So like, it doesn't appear in those scenes. So what do you think? I'm trying to think of a, apart from Starcrossed, is Lover going to get counted? No, just love. Just the word love? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... 17. No, it's 150. What the fuck? Yes. So the word love appears 150 times in Romeo oh and Juliet, God. which is a, a lot for one word. He was an eloquent fellow. So. Oh, man. Fantastic. What a lovely play. What a lovesome play. I mean, is it though? Is it though? Everybody does. <laughs> yeah, where can people find out about Katie? They can find about me on social media at Katie yeah. writes about that's Twitter and Instagram, um, or both. they can go to my website katiewritesabout.com. They can also head over to my other podcast, Have You Ever Heard of, which is a history podcast, and the latest episode is teaching all about Eva Braun. So Ooh. yes, um, if you want to learn some history, what about you, Paul? Where can they can learn about Mr. Paul? You know, learn about Mr. Paul pretty much the same way. You can go all over the place and just type my name into stuff and hope you get lucky and don't run into that. Don't type Mr. Paul, though, because that, <laughs> that won't work. And hope you don't run into that tosser from Merseyside who's stolen all my SEO. Him and that <laughs> Jilly chick who just stole one good thing, they're on the list. Get them both. <laughs> the list. The list. You know the one. Um, no, you can go to Screen Mayhem, which you already are at, and you can read up some of my reviews. I'm reviewing films again now. I'm finally getting around to it. And also listen to some podcasts here that feature me on it, or you can go over to One Good Thing or OGT Pod in order to find in order to find out all the good things about bad movies we've watched. Yeah, about to do little. Well, sometimes what's good about that. Sometimes you talk about good things too. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We do top ten lists. We just did the top ten best trailers ever, and yes, talked about how enjoyable. good movie trailers can be. <laughs> so yeah, check that out. Um, we are heading back east next week because we're going for the Indian crime drama Macbool. Shit. Shit. It's going to be pretty intense, I hear. Uh, until then, away and mock the time with... I stopped the quote there. Great. <laughs> see if I can remember it. Mock the time with Ferris Show. Ferris Show? <laughs> Ferris Show. False face must hide what the heart doth know. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Can't you see? Can't you see? What the hell?